0: Of course, uh, as we do at the beginning of each month, having our uh, communion. So uh, please prepare your hearts and prayer for that. Okay, it's Sunday, September 3rd, 2023, I want to welcome you all to our Sheepgate Fellowship Sunday service. The weather is hot and beautiful today, let's enjoy the last few weeks of summer while we can, uh, but as we're gathered together in the house of the Lord to worship him, I welcome you all as the Lord welcomes you uh, to the table of fellowship and to the house of the Lord to worship him. As one body, we are here uh, gathered together to dedicate this time in worship of God So let us be reminded of his uh, gracious invitation to do so. So grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, Um, and uh, welcome you all. Let's rise together from our seats as we recite together a confession of our faith, the Apostles' Creed. It's on the screen for those who do need it. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 59, verses 16 to 17. As I read these, pa- I read these verses to you, if it helps, you can certainly close your eyes and uh, listen to the words, the words of God. Psalm 59, I shall sing of your strength. I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness. For you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. Amen. Brothers and sisters, at this time, I'd like to have a moment of confession of sin. In silent prayer in our own hearts, let us be reminded of the sin of our lives and the transgressions we continue to commit against God. And as we look back, um, perhaps on this week, on the last few weeks, and uh, the duration of our lives, let's be reminded of the sin that continues to contaminate and poison our hearts and our minds and our actions and everything about us. Let's be repentful before God as we come before our holy and righteous creator. First John 1, nine reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment in prayer, silently in our hearts, as we confess our sin before God. Lord, although we are buried in our sin and we continue to do evil before you, we thank you for your Son who came and died for us, that our mediator Christ, that our faith in him grants us um, forgiveness and salvation. We thank you and we confess these sins before you as you cleanse them. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen reads, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion praise be to god for we have found compassion through jesus christ uh, be assured brothers and sisters as you confess your sins before that you are certainly assured of that heidelberg catechism question 15 uh, today i'd like to draw your attention to the screen this is the 15th question of our catechism and uh coming off of last week right that you know who can be who can be sort of a mediator for these things and of course, we said no mere creature can be a mediator, for no mere creature is perfect before the eyes of God. So here's question 15. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek right, to mediator and deliver from our sin? Here's the answer. One who is a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is at the same time true God. I think this fits really nicely with what we're going to be learning today from our passage in Mark 8, Uh, but do I need to explain anymore? One who is true, one who is righteous, a man at the same time true, God, more powerful than all creatures? Certainly this could only point to one person in history. Brothers and sisters, at this time I'd like to pray for us, and then we'll have our praise team come up and lead us in a time of song, Uh, keep a prayer up for joy, um, and fortunately, she is um, going to, or she is, uh, June is ill, and she's just keeping us safe by staying home today, so I think they'll probably be joining us online, Uh, so just keep a prayer for them. Um, I am forgetting that we are supposed to do our communion here, so uh, allow me to still um, just open us up in a time of prayer, and then uh, Reverend Park will come up and lead us in a time of communion. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much uh, for this time and this Just a wonderful setting and environment where we're able to gather. Lord, we take this for granted too many times, uh, the gathering of God's people in the house of the Lord to worship. Uh, We treat it almost at at times as just simply routine, Um, just something we do um, each week, perhaps out of habit. But Lord, we are reminded at this time of just how precious this is, a time where we're able to rest in you truly as we learn from your word. Grant us um, just greater insight and understanding, and also a greater heart for you and a love for you that ever grows and uh, grows in Christ-likeness always, each and every day. We thank you so much for your spirit and his uh, helping in this sanctification process of our lives. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, as he's he's truly, um, as we just read in our Heidelberg answer answer today, one who's true, a righteous man, more powerful than all creatures, who is at the same time truly God. We thank you for him. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Reverend Park's going to lead us in time of communion as we uh, begin, or as we do each, as we begin each month. each month. Um, so let's give him our attention and I'll translate for those who need it. So it will be done in Korean
1: and I'll just translate for us as we go. 사랑하는 여러분, 성찬식은 예수님께서 마실 때까지 그의 죽으심을 기억하고 그의 은혜를 감사하는 예식입니다. 오늘 성찬식은 예수님을 나의 주님으로 믿는 여러분 모두를 주님의 이름으로 초대합니다. 따라서 우리 모두가 성령 안에서 예수 그리스도의 십자가의 사랑을 체험하는 시간이 되시기를 바랍니다.
0: So dearly beloved, the Lord's Supper is a sacrament that our Lord Jesus Christ commanded his disciples to do in remembrance of him until his return. It is to remember his death, his grace, the hope is that those who partake in the Lord's Supper are unified in Christ. Are reconciled as a community
1: in Him. 기도하겠습니다. Let us pray. 사랑의 하나님, 지금 우리는 우리의 죄를 위해 살이 찢기시고 피를 God, now we are in love with You. 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 O living God, help us at this time to reflect on your Son Jesus Christ,
0: whose flesh was torn and whose blood was spilled on our behalf. May we receive the body of Christ and the blood of Christ by faith today. May the Spirit work in us as we take the bread and the wine by faith. All this we pray in
1: Christ's name. Amen. 축사하셨습니다. The night of our Lord's arrest,
0: our Lord was eating the final Passover meal with his loving disciples.
1: At the time he took the bread and he blessed it. 그리고 그 떡을 떼시면서 이렇게 말씀하십니다. 이것은 너희를 위하여 상하고 찢긴 내 몸이다. 받으라. 먹으라. 우리 주님이 명령하셨습니다. 이제 주님의 명령대로 And as he broke the bread, and as he spoke these words,
0: uh, he spoke these words, This is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it, the Lord commanded them. And as he commanded, we too will take and eat. Now, as we do uh, each month, uh, we're going to line up, starting from the back pews uh, in order to the front, I guess. Um, On the my left hand, your right hand side of the aisle, You can come down, line up, grab one piece and then return to your seats and we'll take and eat together. So just hold on to the bread until everyone has received it. Uh, Before you come up to take the elements, I'd like to also preface uh, that we only welcome those who are believers, true believers, confessing believers of Jesus Christ, followers of him. We welcome you to partake in the elements and if you are a believer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we certainly welcome you. And those who are confirmed and baptized in the faith, we welcome you as well. Um, for those who are not and uh, would like to refrain from taking the elements today, we ask that in your seats that you consider the truth and claim of the gospel of Jesus and that you prayerfully observe the consumption of the elements today. So starting from the back rows, uh, we'll come up and uh, have communion together. So you can start lining up. And just start lining up from the back piece.
1: As we remember the body broken for us, let's eat together. 우리 After the meal, our
0: Lord lifted his cup and blessed it, and as he gave
1: his cup to his loving disciples, he spoke these words. This is my blood poured out for you,
0: the new covenant established between you and I. Take it and drink, he commanded them. We will now take this cup as the Lord directed. So in the same way, from the back rows, you can start coming up.
1: 예수 그리스도의 십자가의 피를 생각하면서 같이 잔을 들겠습니다. As we remember the blood of Christ on the cross, let's take and drink. 기도하겠습니다. 올레스프레이. 공급하신 하나님, 우리는 지금 믿음으로 예수님의 살을 먹고 예수님의 피를 마셨습니다. 이제부터 우리는 예수 그리스도의 십자가의 사랑을 영원히 기억하겠습니다. 또한 우리는 하나님의 자녀로서 말씀을 따라 살아가겠습니다. 하나 o living God, we thank you.
0: By faith, we have taken and we have eaten the body of Christ and drank his blood. We will forever remember the grace of the cross of Christ. We will serve the body of Christ as a loving community with our brothers and sisters, which we have now become a part of through our union with him. Pray all this in Christ's name.
1: uh, Dearly beloved,
0: we are now the church, members of Christ's body, and together we proclaim the gospel of Christ to serve the kingdom of God as we love one another and serve each other. Uh, So we pray that there will be a blessing of grace through today's service.
1: 하나님의, we'll have a passing of peace as yeah. so we greet one another then,
0: to
1: the person next to us. Um,
0: we just uh, say we love you brother and sister in Christ, right? Love in bro, love in Christ to one another. Have a passing of peace. Well, thank you, everyone, um, for partaking with us. And, of course, uh, we thank our Reverend Park for administering the elements to us this afternoon. We also thank the Lord Jesus Christ, again, uh, for the breaking of his body and the pouring out of his blood on our behalf as we remember him at this time. Let's bow our heads in prayer, and then our praise team will lead us in a time of song. Good and gracious God, we thank you this afternoon. We thank you for gathering us as we worship you. Would you be pleased by the worship we give to you at this time? Lord, at times, um, our hearts are distant and stray from you too much. And uh, it's a common theme, of course, in many of our lives, but we ask, O Lord, that you give us attention and focus, that dedication would be upon our hearts, that as we are in awe of you, that we revere you, and we give you praise Uh, that you are deserving of, Lord, would you fill our hearts with joy at this time as we sing and lift these songs up to you, as we pray and lift prayers to you, and as we read from your word. Would you inspire us and convict us through the Spirit? We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's rise from our seats and sing together. Well, we're continuing our sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. If you could turn to Mark chapter 8, we're reading the final verses of this chapter in verse 31 to 38. Last week, we looked at Peter's uh, confession, or or I guess it was two weeks ago since last week Richard preached, two weeks ago we looked at Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ. As you remember, he uh, responded to Christ's question or Jesus' question, rightfully, who do you say that I am? And he, of course, proclaims. Uh, that he is the Christ, and of course, he's absolutely correct, and uh, there's no doubt about it, and it's something that uh, is proclaimed for the very first time by human mouth, so it's really critical, it's a critical moment, if you will, in sort of the disciples' development and Peter's development as a follower of Jesus. Uh, today's text uh, will build on that particular episode, last, uh, the last time we were looking at Mark 8, and so let's take a look in verses 31 to 38 of Mark chapter 8. I'll read from my Bible, and you can follow in yours, Mark 8, 31. This is the word of God. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples... He rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Before we begin, I'd like to uh, just let you know of a couple things that you can keep in prayer. Um, Not at this moment, but just generally in your prayer practices in life. Uh, We have a couple members, or a few members, I guess, uh, who unfortunately got ill, uh, I guess, as of Sunday. remember Tim telling us he had COVID, and then uh, we had a few people also who were unfortunately under the weather this week, not with COVID, but with other things. And um, yeah, if you could just keep them in prayer for restoration. Please keep uh, John and his wife in prayer as well, as they uh, continue to walk through this process of they're going to have to go through chemo and other things um, so if you could keep them in prayer um, i have confirmed uh, a weekend that we will be able to do a little visitation with them so if there's a small contingency of you who would like to come along it's about a two-hour drive from here to trenton if you'd like to come along and encourage our brother and sister um, yeah you're more than welcome to do so so we can do that and um yeah i mean there's tons of other things to pray for. We'll get to it, but if you just keep those things particularly in prayer, um, that'd be fantastic. Well, as we go into the Word today, our sermon is entitled, Take Up Your Cross and Follow Him. Him, of course, referencing to Jesus. In an economy-driven world where the exchange of goods and services at perceived cost is such a sort of dominant constant in our lives, we can lose in the chaos of this a true sense of not only the actual value or worth of things in life, but we can lose the sense of what, true, what truly is of value in life. Right? So when we're trying to determine everything with sort of the cost of it monetarily, and we assert that as being a value, we lose sense of what true value is and what actually does have true value in life. Money is king is something you hear from the mouths and the culture of many, and it certainly rings true to a certain degree. For money is the great quantitative measure, our unit of measurement for determining the value of things, if you will. But what gives money that power to measure? What value does money even have, paper and coins, without perception, without government and systems telling us that the money in our pockets that we do have is, in fact, of certain value? We live in a world where what we have changes in value every day, even the same object. I was famously told when I was buying my first car, as soon as you roll out of that parking lot and, you know, you turn on that car for the first time and you drive off, um, I guess, out of the dealership, it immediately depreciates in value, immediately, right? Uh, being a sneakerhead and selling shoes all the time, as soon as you wear that shoe outside on any floor, immediately drops in value. Right, so everything drops in value, it changes in value, it rises in value. Things change all the time, right? Um, you can buy gas today at a, around what? Like this week, the average was what? Like 165, 170, right? um, one sixty-five, one seventy, right? Meaning a dollar seventy, not 170, hundred um, seventy per liter, right? These days, but a few years ago, remember during the heart of COVID? Remember like like the heart of COVID, where there's like no cars on the road. Gas was like what? Like seventy cents, sixty-eight cents per liter is the gas we put in our cars today better gas by like a dollar absolutely not supply demand other various variables determine these supposed values in our lives i remember in my teenage years and that was a long time ago so this is a really great memory mastercard rolled out a series of commercials mastercard meaning the credit card company rolled out a series of commercials that depicted different things in people's lives And they sort of determined its cost, right? So they'd have these commercials with like a person and the objects that they're wearing or holding. And they would tell you like, handbag, $90, dress, $180, like whatever, right? Um, And they rolled out these commercials. But at the end of all of these commercials, right, whether it be a new outfit or new shoes and giving you the value of those things, at the end of these commercials, it would always end with uh, something that they determined priceless. Right. so there was one commercial in particular or not particular but just one in memory it was like a girl and she was a uh, lady and she was getting ready to go out like for dinner or something right so she would grab something like a dress and a necklace and a watch and a bag and all these values would pop up and at the end you know she's like you know well groomed she goes out and um, she looks great and she's in the restaurant and then she meets her ex-boyfriend or something right and uh, he's, like, all, like, fumbling, and he's like, oh, my goodness, she's, like, so pretty now, right? And, and the whole idea is that he's regretting it, and then they put on the bottom, that look on your ex's face, priceless, right? And that's sort of the commercials, the priceless series commercials. The commercial is intending to sell you this idea. Spend money on some things, go into credit card debt, haha, right? That's the part they don't tell you. To get something that money cannot measure, right? That's the whole idea of it something they deem priceless. It's supposed to sell this idea to buy, to purchase. Something of such great value that it cannot be measured, right, by money, if you will. It has value beyond what money can actually measure or determine. Our previous passage saw Peter valiantly and correctly answering Jesus' question of, who the disciples say that he is. Answering that, um, he is in fact the Christ. He says, Jesus, you are the Christ. Now what today's passage teaches us is that if Jesus is the Christ, then to be in relation to this Christ as a disciple of him comes at a great cost. But this, like the end of those commercials, is a cost that is priceless. It is a cost that money cannot measure that money certainly cannot buy. What we will learn today is that the cost of discipleship is determined by the meaning of messiahship. And those two things will be interconnected today. Two points to today's sermon. The first, God's interests versus man's. And the second, the cost of discipleship. So we'll look at these two sub sort of teachings today. God's interests versus man's. The first section of today's text, if you look at verses 31 to 33, it deals with a sudden turn of events for Peter the disciple. In verse 29, he answered correctly to, or he answered uh, Jesus's question correctly that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. The first ever proclamation I told you two weeks ago of any human being in all of Mark's gospel correct that Jesus truly is the Christ. It was a momentous moment that affirms that the disciples, like the blind man prior, are beginning to see properly, and in this case, beginning to see Christ properly. Jesus even gives confirmation that he indeed is correct, right? Jesus says, you are certainly correct in what you are saying. But in today's text, Jesus builds on that proclamation that he is the Christ by beginning to define to us the purpose and work of the messiah of the christ christ is of course the greek term for the hebrew word messiah so they can be used synonymously right they're the same thing the messianic expectations as we discussed before many weeks ago some some of you may not recall uh, the messianic expectation among most of the jews of this time were incorrect jesus thus gives proper definition to who the Christ actually is and truly is. And if he is the Christ, this is what he will do, what will be done by this Christ. Until this moment, Jesus himself has not given definition to Christ, and he himself has not proclaimed himself to be the Christ. Others have proclaimed this of him, nor has he explicitly told anyone what the work of the Christ would be, namely the death and the resurrection. In today's passage, it is not only explicitly explained, of the death and resurrection, Jesus provides exact details in regards to this event, and it is so far from what Peter and the disciples and the Jews could have possibly imagined about the Christ. The Jews were expecting a Christ to come to polit- politically free them from Rome, like Roman conquering and Roman the Roman Empire, to become their new king, like a new David, if you will, and to restore the land and relationship between Israel and God. This could only be done in the minds of Jews by a powerful man of God who could do the works of God and lead them into battle and victory over the enemies, like physical battle and victory uh, over their physical enemies, just like the leaders of their past. Whether it be David with Goliath or Joshua with Canaan, Rome could only be defeated by a greater power or force, one of divine origin, but not, not necessarily divine himself. At least I don't think this was Encompassed in the minds of the Jews. But the hallmarks of the Christ as defined by Jesus today are this. So remember, they're looking for, the Jews are looking for, a Messiah that conquers and is victorious, right? It's just a winner, no matter what. They go to battle and they win. Here's the Christ defined by Jesus, who is the Christ. He says, He must suffer, He must be rejected, and He will be killed. So imagine thinking to yourself, all my hope is in this Messiah to come who will claim victory. And here is the Messiah. As Peter being a Jew himself, he just said, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ. And the Messiah speaks to him and says, you're right, and here's how I'm going to claim that victory. I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to be killed. Now I don't know about you, That seems like an odd game plan for victory. Right? It must have been really confusing to hear this. And not only that, not only that, the killing will be at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. History tells us this, that this collective group, this trio of of people, elders, chief priests, and scribes. This collective group comprised what was called the Jewish Sanhedrin. It was the highest court of Jewish law and order at the time. The very place that Jesus is taken eventually on the night of his arrest to be tried as a blasphemer and condemned to his death. How could the Christ be a man who will be killed at the hands of men who are trusted most By every Jew. How could that be? And yet, that is the great irony that is being presented to the twelve. The Messiah, the Christ, is one who will not kill his way to victory, but rather be killed to victory. And not at the hands of the godless, but the supposedly most godly. What kind of irony is this? brothers and sisters the disciples have been given a definition of the christ that is beyond understanding in fact to every jew of this time with any sensible understanding of the messiah and any understanding of the messiah to come this definition of the messiah is beyond recognition it's beyond to this proclamation, Peter steps up boldly yet again before he was affirmed and acclaimed, so to speak, for his response to Jesus. I guess he's a little bit confident now in answering Jesus' questions. But Peter steps up boldly in again, again and goes so far as to rebuke Jesus. Rebuke means to criticize and express a sharp disapproval, something the Pharisees were more keen to do than one of the twelve. Jesus counters with his own rebuke of Peter, echoing his words to Satan in the wilderness temptation stories, telling him to get behind him. And the reason for the rebuke was that Peter had man's interests in mind over God's. For what was Peter ultimately disapproving of from Jesus' teaching? And from the other Gospels, we know that Peter promised that Jesus would not be killed, that these things would not happen to him. His disapproval was of God's interest and design of the Messiah himself. His disapproval was against God's interest and God's design of the Messiah. The whole purpose of the incarnation of Christ. You can understand why Peter would disapprove. But you can see why Jesus would have such great issue with his words. Peter is not protecting Jesus he is doing harm to the will of God, the very thing Satan himself would do. Jesus is pushing temptation away from him, the temptation to not die. And in the garden we see that the temptation to not die even more vividly in the prayer of Christ. But we see also today the will of the or we see also in the garden the will of the Son to do the will of the Father. So when Peter is saying, No, I will not let this happen. From a human perspective, you could say that's admirable. That seems admirable, that he wants to protect his master. But in Jesus' eyes, he sees something far worse. He sees someone interfering, not having the best in mind. Now, why would Peter not, now why would Peter think that he, in fact, has the best in mind? Because he thinks he's doing what is right, right? Why do I bring this up? It's really important because here's what I think we're being reminded of us to, reminded us of today. Sometimes, and dare I say many times, if not most times, our own self-interests can be concealed as something admirable. Mm-hmm. They're extremely self-seeking. But we are so conniving in our minds that we conceal it as something responsible and admirable. And we do this all the time. We do it all the time. But these things are, in the eyes of God, a hindrance to His will. Not hindrance in the sense that we can actually hinder the will of God that we have our own interests above God's, over it. Now to that, you might say, well, Max, if I knew what God's will was very clearly and vividly, yeah, I would just accept that, I would just accept that and obey it. It's because I don't know that I fall into this tendency of having my own interests in mind. Brothers and sisters, don't be foolish. Don't be so arrogant to think that way. And I'm speaking to myself too. What did we just see in today's text? Peter is first given exactly the will of God. As vividly as you can. Peter was told the will of God, and he still chose to oppose it. It is not our mandate to know the will of God as it pertains to future events, at least in its exact precision. It is rather, I believe, our job to be in a posture of obedience and acceptance no matter what season comes our way, no matter what events occur in our lives, to remain faithful through it all. Clichéd Christian sayings, if you will, but absolutely true. If God told you today that His will for you was that you would die a gruesome death next week. Next week. Like Peter, I imagine you would do everything in your power to try and change that outcome. That you would willingly obey and accept is a foolish thought to have. Here's what you would willingly accept and obey. And when I say you, I include myself. Good things that God promises in your life. Oh, Max, next week, you know, you're going to be walking down the street and someone's going to give you, like, a great big hug and then the next person is going to buy you lunch for no reason and then the next person that you meet is just going to give you a car and you're going to drive off and you're going to have the greatest life of your life. Sure, I can accept that. Next week, Max, you're going to have to have a tough conversation with some people. And in these conversations, they're not going to go too well. And at the end of it, they're going to hate you for the rest of their lives. And not only that, later in the week, you're going to meet some people, and you're going to have to sit down with them and talk about some church discipline issues, and you're going to have to have these tough conversations. And these people will mock you and scorn you and degrade you for the rest of your life. And next month, you're gonna lose all your friends, for they will hate you. You will live life in loneliness, in an absolute obscurity. Your church will dwindle and everyone will leave. Accept that. It's a lot tougher. Don't be foolish to think that knowing the will of God, that knowing exactly what's gonna happen, will all of a sudden conjure in your heart this incredible faithfulness to Him. Because it won't. So the lesson today is this, in this particular part, have God's interests in mind and heart over yours. That means, no matter what happens, whether you know it will happen or not, when it comes you are faithful. You are faithful. That's the call of the Christian life. Here's the second part, the cost of discipleship. The second half of today's text is a teaching from Jesus on discipleship. And it's probably a text you've likely heard or been taught on before. And what we can gather from the text is this simple and powerful conclusion. That discipleship or the following of Jesus comes at a cost. And that cost, I'm sorry to tell you, actually I'm not sorry to tell you, I just say that, I don't know why I say that, but I just say it, is everything. The cost is everything. It's all of it. Because following Christ means this, to live like Him, to live like Christ who himself gave everything for you. So let's reverse that equation and follow the flow of logic. That means that an incorrect understanding of the Messiah leads to an incorrect understanding of discipleship. And that makes total sense. Those who don't know Christ properly will also follow improperly. We must root our discipleship in Messiahship, So what is Jesus teaching to the crowd? Those who want to follow him, to go after him, to be led by him, they must firstly deny themselves. Deny yourselves. He calls for a denial of your own self. The very thing that he himself did to incarnate. Philippians 2.8, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But for your sake he took on flesh. The disciple must also take up his cross, Jesus tells us. Deny yourself, all of it, and then take up the cross. Now to us, the cross is an image of victory and hope. Some of you have cross necklaces or cross jewelry. You might have a cross. We have a cross here hanging on the wall. Crosses cross is everywhere. To us, the cross is an image of victory and hope in Jesus Christ. It's a symbol of our salvation, if you will. But at this time, when Jesus is speaking these words, remember, he hasn't died on the cross yet. At this moment, the cross was the most horrific criminal torture device ever devised by any human being. It represented Roman rule and conquering and gruesome suffering. It represented oppression. To tell this audience to take up their cross would have been not only controversial, absolutely confusing. They don't know yet that Jesus will die on a cross. And even if they did, I don't think they would be able to fathom what, the, what he means by this. It's not to say to literally start carrying a cross. That you go out there and you take two pieces of wood, build a cross and start carrying it around. But rather it speaks to the followers of Christ willing to take on all suffering for the sake of Christ. All suffering. And don't diminish that word suffering. Suffering. Suffering is not a variable for a stubbed toe or, you know, a a failed exam or a broken car on the highway. Suffering is everything from losing it all to losing a little. It's everything. It's all of that. Suffering could be the most torturous thing of your life. And you still have to take it up to follow Him. When I was a child, growing up in church, I was taught on this passage frequently, and I was told to take up your cross, take up your cross. And I always just thought, yeah, that just basically means like, you know, Willing to endure a few things for Jesus. How long have you lived? 20, 30, 35, less than 40 years? You're like, not, like, let's say we live to 80. You're not even halfway through. Maybe a third, some of you. Maybe a quarter, some of you. Is life easy? You have the majority of your life left to live, you have marriage kids, and grandchildren left, and retirement. It's going to be full of suffering. A lot more of it, and a lot more pain to come. I talked to, um, at Christ Church, I was talking to some of the elders and some of the older members there, and I haven't dealt with this yet because I'm not there yet they deal with like funerals all the time. Friends losing friends. Like, let's just imagine, by God's will, we all grew old together, and then we just start dropping one by one. It's going to be heartbreaking. Man, I knew that guy. I knew that guy when he was 20. And he passed. He's not with us anymore. That kind of suffering we're gonna to have to endure for the rest of our lives right yeah sure we know he's in heaven's glory and praise God for that but it's still a loss for us right we grieve we mourn there's more to come brothers and sisters and I'm not saying that that means diminish everything that you're going through in life now what I'm saying is taking up your cross means far more than what I could have possibly fathomed in my teen years far more this is a call to Christians to be willing to endure and persevere through anything. Anything and everything. He's telling this audience, take up your cross. For he himself will take on a literal and figurative cross for the sake of our sins, our lives, and our salvation. There's an interesting thing here that's happening in verses 35 to thirty. Eight. So I'm going to break it down quickly for you and then end our time. Verse 35. We see in this verse a short and brief, what we call in biblical studies, a chiasm. It's a form of speech that's formed in an ABBA form. It's an ABBA form. Those who wish to save their physical lives will lose all of life. Those who lose physical life for Christ's sake will save all of their life. So there's the word life is included in A, B, B, A. But in the A's, it's it's talking about the consequence, right? And in the B's, we're talking about the physical, right? So those who are trying to preserve this earthly life and live for the benefits of this temporal life, live for the earthly things, live for the things of this world, and they try to preserve this life, like this life is everything, you lose eternity. But those who give this up and focus on the eternal will be with Christ forever. You will gain everything. You lose everything in this life now and you gain everything later. But that math and that sacrifice is not something everyone can make. And not everyone does make. Because it's very difficult. A priority on earthly living will lead to eternal death and a forsaking of earthly life for the sake of Christ will consequence in eternity with him. Verse 36 to 37, this, these verses tell us that one who does not understand the value of the soul will live for their physical existence, and in that lose their soul. The trade-off will make sense to many. They'll say, yeah, that's worth. But to those who follow Christ, that trade can never be made, for we know, we know the value of the soul. Our whole cells have been purchased by the blood of Christ. The value of the soul is found in that it is God's. To give that up for even the best of earthly living standards would be nothing short of foolish. Nothing short of This last verse tells us clearly, in verse 38, the dividing line between the true and false followers of Christ. Those who are ashamed of him are like those in the past who lived their lives, in Israel's past, I should say, who lived their lives in spiritual infidelity to God. They made mockery of him by claiming faithfulness on one hand, but living a life that shamed him on the other. Such people are those who in their innermost hearts have rejected Christ and those who reject Christ will in the end be rejected by him. To not receive him now is not to be received by him later. That's the warning but that's also the invitation, isn't it? The gospel is, in a way, works on those two fronts. It warns us but it welcomes us as well. It invites us into the family of God. So if you're sitting here today and you're contemplating the gospel claim I invite you to investigate to ponder to pray and consider the claim of the Christian gospel. For in it alone will you find salvation and eternity with him forever. Finally I have nothing left to elaborate beyond two simple concluding thoughts and I'll end here. Just bullet points for you to be able to sum up what we've learned today and just walk away with some application. Two things. One Jesus truly is the Christ. He truly is. Peter was right about this. Meaning this, he suffered, he was rejected, and was killed, just as he said he would. To look at our suffering lives as evidence of a false faith and a false God would be foolish. So the atheist argument of, why would a God allow bad things? God himself lived a pretty awful life by human standards when he was here. So, no, I don't think that's a valid reason right? Because I suffer, God is not good. No. Instead, look to the example of the suffering servant himself. And brother and sister rest in peace in knowing this, and rest in him in knowing this. He suffered for your sake. Perhaps your suffering serves a greater cause. Point two, as a disciple of Christ, our model is Christ always in all things. Our discipleship is his messiahship, Hence, the command is simple. Deny yourselves. Take up your cross. Follow him faithfully. It is not the easy path. In fact, it's the most difficult. The example he gives is the most audacious and most challenging to our human human, self, sinful nature. Those who live for his sake, Christ's sake, and receive him by faith, those are the ones who will find themselves in his arms in the end. And I hope to see you there. Praise be to God the Father, for he sent his Son Praise be to God, the Son, for he came and died for our sin. And praise be to the Holy Spirit, who helps us to be and to become a faithful disciple of the Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray and reflect on what we've learned today. Let's rise from our seats and sing together in response to God's word and teaching this afternoon. Together to worship you for giving us uh, just a wonderful word of truth from your holy word. We ask, O oh Lord, that these things would continue to remain in us as we reflect on them, as we contemplate its teaching. Lord, would you help us through the Spirit to be convicted by them? Lord, we are taught to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. And this is on paper, something easy to read, but in practice, something so difficult to do. Would the Spirit help us and compel us to continue to dis- deny ourselves daily? And to take up our cross um, as you did for us, as we find ourselves, the, or as we find in Christ the model for our discipleship, we thank you for Him. Lord, we thank you so much for this afternoon, and we thank you for the provision in life, all things you give to us. We give to you this offering as um, you ask us to do, and we give it cheerfully, and we ask, O oh Lord, that this offering be used uh, for the ministry of God's kingdom and of this church, that it would be used, Lord God, in faithful ways. Uh, to only assist and help uh, for the greater good of your kingdom and your name renowned and for the gospel proclamation in this city. We thank you so much for all gifts in life. We ask we would be good stewards of all things you give graciously. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see all of you. Uh, It's a wonderful day. Uh, Hopefully we get a chance this afternoon to really enjoy the weather. Uh, First of all, welcome. If it's your first time to our church, we welcome you. Uh, Shipgate is a hopefully a place where uh, we'll be able to welcome you well and, and uh, get to know you a little bit. Um, so if you are a first-time or a newcomer here, uh, welcome team, you know what to do. Um, offerings can be sent uh, via e-transfer to sheepgatefellowship at gmail.com. So if you'd like to give through those means, you can do so. We also have an offering basket um, and envelopes in the back. So if you'd like to give that way, you can give that way as well. Um, and if you'd like to give specifically to our missionaries local, and on campus as well as abroad in Asia Minor. Uh, You can definitely note that in the notes section and we'll allocate those funds towards that. So uh, offerings can be given those ways. Please join us for fellowship and food following uh, service today in our other building. Uh, If you need directions or if you need a ride, just please let us know. We can guide you there. We are recruiting at this time and we have some recruits now. I was very grateful for the the fearless men and women who did message. Uh, But we are recruiting for our children's ministry uh, starting in January. So we are in September now, so I'm hoping to have our first meeting and gathering this month. Some of you have verbally told me that you'd like to be, like, or interested in or would like to partake. Uh, But if you could just kind of, like, confirm that with a text, that'd be fantastic. it just help me out. I'll start a a meeting for us, and uh, we'll start getting on those things because there's a lot to do. I'm super excited about it. So if you are... Interested in love, um, you know, just serving God, and but through the means of just serving our children, uh, we do have children coming. We have children in the church, so I think it's a great opportunity to learn and to grow in this area. We're also recruiting volunteers and helpers for a youth retreat slash conference next March break uh, in 2024. Um, again, if you do one thing, you can certainly do the other. You don't have to commit to just one thing, but uh, for this is just a one-time event thing. Hopefully, it'll become something we do annual. But at least um, as of now, uh, we're preparing for next March. And so if you'd like to help serve for about two nights, three days, um, serving youth in this way where we kind of teach them well and, um, you know, worship together and and, and just really try to facilitate a space where our youth and our next generation can really engage uh, with good theology and good teaching, I think it'd be a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. So if you are interested in serving in this in any way, right? We need help with everything pretty much. Uh, Please just let me know. Uh, Bible studies continue um, this Thursday, 6.30 p.m. at our other church. If you'd like to join, please do so. Uh, You're more than welcome. I know some of you might be daunted, like, hey, can I just jump in any week? I feel like I've missed out on the whole thing. Absolutely. It's not a problem. Please come um, if you can. We'd love to have you there. Uh, This week specifically, if I can, if it's fair to say this, is like kind of really amazing stuff so if you can join please please do so Um, sort of my way of advertising Uh, please continue as i mentioned earlier prayers for those who are sick and ill and unwell Um, and of course for john and his family Uh, they certainly do need it so please continue your prayers for them Uh, students uh, who are returning to school this week uh, praise god Uh, i'm just kidding um But yeah, school's a good thing, so get educated. uh, Some of us are obviously back um, in farther cities, so they might be absent today. Uh, But uh, yeah, our prayer's up for you to study hard, uh, to learn, and to be faithful where you are. Uh, It's just a moment of your life where you're able to enjoy being a student, so enjoy it while you can. And then for our campus ministers, those who are serving on staff with campus ministries, prayer's up for you as well as the ministry begins. Um, Obviously, it's going to be a busy week recruiting frosh, and et cetera. Uh, So our prayers are definitely, certainly with you. Okay, final announcement. And um, I think we're going to, because we're over time, have to pause on our confession study. But we'll resume it next week as we go into Chapter 11 on justification. But for today, I'd like to end off our time um, by introducing Sam. So Sam, you can come up, uh, grab a mic. Um, So at this time, we're just going to... I would just like to, I'd like to introduce Sam. Uh, so many of you know him already, but uh, I'd like to hear a quick word from Sam as I asked him to prepare a little introduction of who he is. So Sam has been or will be serving as our first ever uh, intern pastor. So let's get a chance to hear from Sam.
2: Yeah. Yikes! Um, I wasn't nervous earlier, but I'm a little nervous now. Um, but yeah, as Max announced, I am. Sam, for those of you who know me, hello, good to see you again. For those of you who do not, nice to meet you, I hope to get to know you um, more and more in my time here. Uh, Yeah, so a little bit about myself, I prepared a small introduction slash testimony about myself, so without further ado, um, I'm 23, 23 years old, I think that's a good place to start, And I mentioned that to make clear that though I may look old, I am not. (laughs) Um, To put it into perspective, I'm the same age as Ashley, Rebecca, Victoria, and Andrew. And you can gasp, you can wow, (laughs) uh, but that's the truth. Um, I am going to my second year as part-time staff with Kingdom Come, and I'm serving at TMU, formerly Ryerson, and I am going to my first year of seminary at Wycliffe College. Uh, I don't know, random random fun fact, we do these for introductions. Um, I may seem reserved and quiet on the outside, but the more you get to know me, uh, the more you'll know that I'm pretty weird. Uh, I'm just good at hiding it, unlike some of you here. Uh, you know who you are, and so will most people here. Um, I'm a PK. I grew up in the church, um, but I did not have saving faith until... My early high school days, um, I came to Christ, or rather Christ came to me in the 10th grade. Uh, Yeah, while I was living in sin, in love with the false pleasures of this world, uh, the Lord graciously granted me faith and repentance. And yeah, that was when my walk with the Lord began. But it wasn't until my undergraduate studies uh, at McMaster where I grew in my love for and my knowledge of the Lord. And thanks to the kingdom come. Um, I joined KC, Deceived Really, um, during the uh, club fair. Uh, In fact, I was looking for KCF instead, Um, but I found the KC KC booth first, and that's where I met Jordan, our our beloved Jordan here, Um, and I asked him where the KCF booth was, and he said, right here, so we got to talk, Um, it was great, I ended up signing up clearly and I just went home and so to this day I still have no idea where that KCF booth was and so (laughs) praise God. Um, But yeah as a KC student uh, Jordan was also my discipler and he was the one who showed me by example what it meant to be a Bible-believing Jesus-loving Christian. Um, He was the one who challenged my progressive beliefs um, that I once held and pointed me towards a biblical worldview And it was also thanks to Jordan that I had my second conversion experience where I received John Calvin into my heart, and the rest is history. Um, A little bit about why I entered or decided to go into ministry. Um, In my last year, I was pursuing physiotherapy, and I applied and did all this stuff. Um, But the thought of ministry became a lot stronger, and I say a lot stronger because ever since I was little, I was open to the idea of ministry, um, more of a bi- bivocational thing, but um, I kind of tossed it to the side. But as that thought grew stronger and stronger, I recognized that as the Lord's call, and so I prayed, uh, Lord, if you want me to go to physiotherapy, Thy will be done. If not, if pastoral ministry, Thy will be done. And from then on, all the doors to physiotherapy closed and all the doors to ministry opened. Um, Joining staff, getting connected to Linden from Christchurch and other uh, young pastors. Um, The reform stream at Wycliffe starting, getting into Wycliffe and then receiving an offer from Max. Um, Yeah, and so I decided to accept Max's offer um, primarily because I mean, it's Max. Um, Max has helped me and encouraged me throughout my student uh, days, and I'm sure everyone else here, and, you know, it would be an an amazing learning opportunity for me to shadow Max, learn under Max. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think today's sermon, and every sermon is an example, but you can tell his passion for Christ, for the church, and for the word, and... I hope to grow in these aspects too, uh, and of course, uh, Max. I don't know if you shared with everyone your vision, kind of, for this church and the future hopes. Um, but I wanted to support Max in those. Um, listening to those those things, I was really excited, and so I want to devote a lot of my time, if not most of my time, to helping Max. And of course, I'd be lying if I said you guys, the members played no role in my decision, it would be a good idea, or not a good idea, it would be a good opportunity to deepen the relationships I already have and to make new ones. And so in closing, uh, I'm excited and honored to join, uh, but also worried. Um, Of course, I'm a sinner and I'm very inadequate. I will most likely disappoint you guys and fail to be the intern pastor I I should be or I, I ought to be uh, for example I don't game so sorry no Valorant <laughs> um, but I will try to become a baller a soccer player <laughs> and hang out with you guys more and more um, so yeah pre- please uh, be patient with me gracious with me rebuke me whenever you need to be rebuked encourage me when I need to be re- encouraged and uh yeah remember me, Max, in, our, in your prayers, and I will do the same. So thank you, Max, for this opportunity. Thank you all for welcoming me, and yeah, wish me luck. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sam, you can,
0: you can just stay up there. Uh, we're gonna take a time to pray for you. Um, thank you for introducing yourself. From our end, uh, it was a long search um, for our first intern. Began the search probably like a few years ago, and then COVID hit, slowed it down, and, and um, just looking for someone I thought would be faithful to the Lord, faithful to his word, and uh, be uh, just provide an opportunity for a seminarian uh, to grow as a pastor and like learn through some mistakes, things that I never got to do um, I thought would be a really great thing uh, that we can give someone. So as a church community, it's our responsibility to hold him accountable and our responsibility to help him grow um, in the ministry as a minister of the word. Uh, So brothers and sisters, we're going to take a moment to firstly uh, officially install him. So if you've been a member of this church, um, being a visible member, so regular attendance of the church and partaking in in Sheepgate Fellowship for the past uh, at least six months, so by KPC standards, we need six months of regular attendance, regular meaning like you were here regularly, right? That's a subjective term, but just take it for what it is. Um, for the last six months, I'm gonna ask you to vote. Um, it's not a, like official paper vote or anything like that, but we're just gonna give uh, official sort of installment confidence vote uh, so that we can have Sam uh, be confident in knowing that the community's behind him. So, I, this is so exciting. Oh, you can stay like that. <laughs> so this is a wonderful sort of, Uh, opportunity for us to finally exercise Robert's Rules of Order. So um, I'd like to bring a business before the assembly. Brothers and sisters, I move that Sam (laughs) Yule Park uh, be installed as our intern pastor for Sheepgate Fellowship under these conditions. So we will be paying Sam um, at this moment $500 a month, um, and then that was up for um, once we do our budget for next year. Up for uh, editing, if possible or if needed, he will be responsible in his position uh, to be mentored by me and any elders, future elders of the church, uh, preaching and teaching on an, on a regular basis of about once every eight to twelve weeks, helping in the leading of worship and worship matters, uh, helping in evangelism and discipleship of the church, any pastoral care issues, administrative and leadership. Sounds like a lot, but he's working seven hours a week, so we've limited him to that. Um, (laughs) And um, helping with just general church uh, duties that may may or may not exist in the future. Uh, So those will be his responsibilities, and that's what we are calling him to do, and uh, he has responded uh, willingly to partake in these things. So as a church, it is now our obligation and job to welcome him, Uh, through official installment, so I now move officially that Sam be installed as our intern pastor. If you vote in favor of this, uh, we need a vote of confidence from one person initially, so if you vote in favor, please raise your hand and say aye. Aye. Okay, I need a second to vote uh, to second uh, Hyunee's vote of confidence. Second vote. You can't second yourself. Okay, Esli seconds it. We'll now put this into motion. Uh, we're just gonna do this unofficially, per se, by PC, uh, KPC standards. Uh, we just need a response of "I" from the church. Church, if you vote in favor of installing Sam as our interim pastor, please respond with an "I" after the count of three. One, two, three. I. Not in favor, say no. One, two, three. Sam, welcome to Sheepgate. We're going to pray for you. Uh, if you can stand in the middle. Brothers, if you can come up, lay a hand on our brother Sam. Let's take a moment as a church and community to pray for Sam. Um, pray in your heart so you can pray out loud for our brother. And then um, I will pray for us um, as we close. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for our brother, Sam. Thank you for um, bringing him to faith in those earlier years of his high school, um, calling him and allowing him to be opened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his salvation and his hope in you. We thank you for his journey as you've journeyed with him and matured him as a believer, allowing him to be uh um, allowing him um, to be opened to the truth of the Bible and of everything that it teaches. Thank you for the community that you surrounded him with. Uh, thank you for Jordan and uh, his cunning ways of bringing Sam uh, into the ministry and uh, teaching him faithfully over the years of his university life. We thank you for um, his call into the ministry. We ask, O oh Lord, that you be with him as you mature him and grow him as a pastor, uh, that we as a community, grow with him alongside him as we support him and encourage him through prayer Uh, we ask oh lord that this season would be a time of growth and uh, that he would take immense steps towards being a minister of the word we thank you so much for sam and the gift that he will be to this church and the gift that he will be to the kingdom of god we thank you and pray all this in christ's name amen Amen. thank you okay well we're going to wrap up our time this afternoon and then we'll head over for lunch let's rise from our seats end off the lord's prayer Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you. We'll see you at the other building for fellowship.